break down. All right, we're here. Um, myself <laughs> and Matt, and we have our first female on the podcast. We have Caroline. At least it is the first female as well. Isn't yeah. It? Sexist <laughs> bastards. Yeah. Just, just no. Well, I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Caroline, you're here to tell us a little bit about um, an injury that you suffered. But to give it a bit of a backstory, um, I think we were, it was actually Matt that introduced us over email. Um, I think you phoned, didn't you? Um, yeah, potentially. Or I yeah. sent somebody a message or something. Yeah, because I, I got an email from Matt saying, I have, a, I have a girl here who's, uh, she's fallen and hurt herself. I think you better, mm-hmm. I think you better take this one. So when we spoke, um, you told me the story. And now it's been a year and a half, is it? A year? Nine months. A year and nine months. A year and, so okay, so a year and nine months since the accident, but it's been about a year since we met. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And right now you're sitting on the couch with a bandage on your foot. What's the current situation? And then we'll do the, the backstory. Uh, so at the moment I have basically my 13th surgery and... I just had the tendons released from my foot. That's it, basically. So I have pins in each of my toes and they were drilled into the bone. And then um, the pins are outside the bone too, like Mm. little fish hooks. And yeah, they stay in for five weeks and then they come out and they get like yanked out. Nice. Yanked out. Proper job. Can't yeah. wait for that one. Wolverine feet, isn't it? Yeah, pretty thing. much. Yeah. The claws going up. <laughs> I know, seriously. Okay, so what, nine, a year and nine months ago, what happened? Um, In as short or as much detail as you want. Okay, so basically I was rock climbing and I climbed, well, it was this outdoor rock climbing wall and I climbed up the wall and then when I got to the top, the peg came off and I fell down. And I fell about seven meters and I had no shoes on and I fell onto concrete. Yeah. And I landed on my feet. Then I basically fell. So I landed on my feet and then fell onto my back. Hmm. And um, I lay basically on my back and I was just totally awake and conscious and rolled to one of my sides and I felt all the bones in my pelvis move all separately like boom boom Jesus nice and I couldn't actually lay on the right side you know all this and I rolled over to the left side and I felt exactly the same thing Mm. and then I just lay on my left side and I was just basically just breathing and trying to stay awake like I kept having these waves of I'm gonna faint or I'm just gonna go boom and yeah, I just started breathing and kind of listening to my heartbeat and it sounded so loud in my chest. Mm. And um, yeah, I was with a friend of mine and like they were panicking and saying that there was something really wrong with my feet. And thank God I didn't look up and I didn't see what was wrong with my foot because at the time my right foot had come out of my body and was like half in and half out. And both right. of, well, it was bleeding a lot and they were covered in blood and I was just basically laying there. And then, so my friend was like, get up. 
and I was <laughs> Get up. basically like, off. No yeah, I can't, I can't move. And so then they called the ambulance and we just waited until they arrived. And I just remember being so thirsty and that's all mm. I could think about. And I just wanted water. And yeah. So then what? You got in the hospital, they went a um, couple of stitches in your arm. No, I don't, I don't remember a lot of what happened after, but I remember the ambulance arriving and they basically started talking me through like how to get onto the stretcher and how they were going to move me. Um, and then they put me in the ambulance and they did that whole like testing to see if I could feel everything. Mm. So like, can you feel your toes? Can you feel this? And, uh, yeah, like I could, I could feel everything, but I couldn't move my right leg anymore. And um, then we, like, 45 minutes later got to the hospital and then they just rushed me into, like, a big CT machine and there was about 10 people just pulling me and moving me into the CT and I just remember screaming Mm. and crying and going through this CT machine and as soon as I got out of the machine, I just... I was basically rushed into a different room And in that room, there was all of these doctors and everybody was talking and I don't remember really anything except just being so thirsty. Mm. And then the next thing I remember is waking up and I woke up a couple of hours later and I had had three surgeries in the space of the time frame that I was asleep. And yeah, that was my first night in hospital. And then basically I spent six and a half weeks in in hospital and I had uh, at the time I think I had about seven or eight or nine surgeries like one after the other and I had for like, what? Uh, so my the first surgery I had was to put my right foot back inside my body so they just um, stuffed it back in Right. And so did I. <laughs> Stuff like the balance back in the skin. Yeah. Just pile it all back. Um, <laughs> squish, squish. Yeah. Um, then the next surgery I had was for my spine. So basically what happened is both my feet shattered. So on the right side it was just the calcaneum and it was a shatter fracture. So the whole bone had no form or structure anymore. And then on the left side, I fractured, so the calcaneum was a shatter fracture, and then the uh, talus, I fractured the cuboid and the second metatarsal mm. on the left side. Then I had my whole right pelvis, it starts with them and it has this very complicated name, but it's basically rotationally, um, rotationally vertically and horizontally unstabled fracture. <laughs> so my whole ilium had crushed so that my right leg wasn't connected to my body through bone. And my pubic bone, so the pubic rama at the front and back, like snapped off and my whole pelvis was up inside my chest cavity. Holy shit. Yeah, it's interesting. So I have like the x-rays where this whole like uh, crumbled bone structure is up in, in here. And, um, what, it just pushed you along to like one side? Yeah, so basically when I fell, the force of the impact just went all the way up my right side and pulled my pubic bone off and then just shattered all of my pelvis and I fractured a, a bit of the um, 
sacrum and the whole thing just because they were all separate bones they just mm. all moved all the way up and then all my organs on the right side moved up and everything was just like skewed to the side so everything on this side came up jesus and then you're back then i had like my l1 exploded and it was just in fragments all over my tummy god damn <laughs> So I had, um, yeah, so that night they put this traction thing into my knee. So they drilled it into my femur. And then there was like a 10 kilogram weight and this huge contraption attached to me to pull my whole, um, my whole right side back into place. And then I had rods inserted into my spine because I no longer had an L1. They needed it to, um, to stay like yeah. in place basically so hold on you're, you're, you're dangling from a contraption with a 10 kilo weight to no I'm lying in, in a bed oh, I right, wasn't okay. even allowed to sit up like at all so I was basically in flat for mm. about uh, three months laying completely flat and had a 10 kilo weight attached to your foot to my knee to your knee yeah and that was just hanging off the table yeah off the side of the hospital bed but it had this lever system and then it just hung off the side and it was just basically there my feet were like so swollen and bandaged and I had bruises up to my knee so like my whole leg was purple on my wrist I had bruises all the way to mm. my elbows on both sides and yeah that was right so there's like a whole pulley system so your legs lifted up so there's Big pulley. stuff drilled into here then it's connected to this other pole that's drilled into me and then so you're pointing has... out you're, you're pointing at the end of the stream. <laughs> basically what's happened is when that's all disconnected the mm. abs and all the elastic tissue above it are just going to pull that hip up yeah so it's not going to it's not going to communicate with itself so the weight is just bringing the whole thing down to counter back to counteract the elasticity of the abs sure it's a very uh, old school kind of, yeah old school way of like, how do you how do you decide it's 10 kilos well, I think they modified it, so they changed right. it. So sometimes okay. it would be six, sometimes they would move it to ten. Then yeah. it had a weight system, so the two ropes would connect to this other thing. Mm. And then on top of it, it had all of these weights. And they would just adjust it. But right. I would constantly be having, like, CTs and X-rays and stuff. Yeah, of course. And they were monitoring, obviously, everything. And uh, how did that feel? Could you feel it, like, moving the, the bone inside? Like, it's sort of shifting um, back down? To be honest, not really. I I was in a lot of pain, but I was mm. also on a lot of medication. Right, so dust to the gills. Yeah, like a morphine oh, little thing that would just self-medicate. <clears throat> um, I had, I think I explained this to you, but I had about, uh, at the time I thought I only had 11 blood transfusions, but I actually had 23. Nice. And... Because you're constantly being fed blood, mm. it makes you really hot and very um, delirious. So a lot of the time I was pretty <laughs> sure of what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And I was consenting to things and people were talking to me and telling me that I was never going to walk again and that, like, how serious it was. Mm. And and at the time I wasn't really taking any of it in. I was just, just literally day by day. I was just trying to get through every minute. But I remember, like, it was it was really horrible. Yeah. I had a lot of nightmares. I couldn't sleep. 
I was attached to 50 million machines and they would beep every freaking second. Mm. So I had like something that was monitoring everything, like my breathing, my moving, my this, my heart, something else, something else. And it would just constantly make noise. So you just can't, you can't sleep. And then there's this anxiety that like, this is my life Mm. now. And this is what it's going to be like forever. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Rebecca. Just realized we had a little microphone problem. Um, so what were you just saying there? Uh, we, well, we're just talking about kind of the old school nature of dangling weights from bones and then hoping that it all just kind of fits in. And uh, you just go, yeah, so carry on. So you're going into kind of the surgery, obviously all the, the sores and things. And yeah, and I, I remember this one experience of looking over and having like being able to see all the sores and mm. the drills and the knives and everything that they use and just freaking out every single time I had surgery not so much now but I always freaked out because I never thought I was going to come back and I was like where the hell do I go like where am I (laughs) am I like here or somewhere else it's getting deep well so deep like I think I had this idea that like I I'm a little balloon and like my balloon string is just floating into there and then after the surgery just comes back and Mm. like is inside again but I'm not I'm not entirely sure I don't know no no well no one is right yeah um true but uh so when you went in you were supposed to be under like had they actually made a mistake no or, no just, okay, right. yeah they knew i was awake they were just like just talking scare you to you a little bit yeah like, just, just a little <laughs> yeah we're gonna cut you up <laughs> like when we first met you uh it was almost been nine months then after it and you were back on your feet mm-hmm. you'd been through the most of your rehab process with you had Joe for aquatherapy. Mm-hmm. You had Chris Chris Kai for... He was my osteopath. Yeah. Um, and then I was seeing Miffy. She was my physio. I had an acupuncturist. Like, I just saw every single person under the sun. But basically, like, after I left hospital... I had um, I was in a hospital bed at home for, like, about another two months. I wasn't allowed to walk on my feet. And I couldn't move my right leg at all like if you touched it I could feel it but I couldn't move it I couldn't turn it I couldn't lift it I couldn't bend it it was just dead it was just a dead weight and even when I told my brain to move my leg nothing happened and nothing happened for a really 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 long time um, and then I started doing aqua therapy with Joe and basically like I had like a hospital bed at home. I had a commode, a wheelchair, a nurse. I'd get washed and cleaned every day. And then my friend was really lovely. She like lent me her driver and he started coming to my house picking me up, Mm -hmm. taking me to aqua therapy. Joe would like pick me up, put me into the pool. And then because I couldn't do anything, he would just, we would chat the entire time and he'd just drag me along in the pool. So I would lay on my back and yeah, he'd just drag me. And then we just took it really, really slow. So he's like starting to get my left leg moving and basically anything that I ever did, any movements hurt my pubic bone so much. Mm. So I didn't, I couldn't really move either of my legs very much, but yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you couldn't feel anything as in going into this sort of whole process. Like you couldn't feel your feet, your legs, anything. You mean 
when I went into the hospital. Uh, as in, when you've started this whole process, you're coming from basically not feeling a thing or being able no, to No, I could today. feel and move my left leg, right. but I couldn't, I could feel my right leg. So if you touched it, I knew that you were touching it, but I couldn't move it. Right. So I couldn't move anything. Mm. I couldn't, like, oh. I couldn't control anything like yeah, you know sure. all of your organs like yeah. basically everything stopped working I lost my period for about half a year mm. just nothing couldn't yeah. do anything Christ and so from that immediate point what was like the, the very first thing he did in order to try and get you to move it like what was the first sort of just basically being in the pool and just letting so he would walk around the pool and just drag me and I think when I started doing like that type of therapy, it was the most beautiful thing in the mm. world. And eventually I started seeing him like every day cause I got addicted to it. Yeah. And then I have a really, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I had a, a swimming pool at my house at the time and eventually what ended up transpiring is that, um, I got so, uh, did I tell you this story? <laughs> tell, tell, tell it again. <laughs> So this is how stubborn and stupid I am. But basically I would look out the window to this. Before you go into this, just to set the scene, right? Before all this accident happened, what, what, like, what kind of person were you? Like you, you're basically a very, very advanced yoga instructor. Yeah. A vegan meat non-meat eater, hate factory farmer, very vocal kind of person. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> so what, what I'm getting at is you have this, um, you have this like determination to do stuff and to move and to be in tune with your body and to, uh, you know, you understand what you've got a degree in anatomy. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff that they're telling you in the hospital, you understand, you're aware of. Mm-hmm. It's not all like, uh, whatever it's not a foreign language to you um you're whatever you got your own yoga you were a yoga teacher with your own own yoga practice correct mm-hmm. why are you looking at me so she's just waiting for me to tell her life story no because this is just going to frame the story that you're going to say mm-hmm. next it's going from all of that super active mm-hmm. standing on your head turning upside down being able to walk on your fingers to then all of this for yeah. six months. Well, the thing was, is that it was, it was a lot longer than six months, but I think movement always came really easy to me. So I could see something or see somebody doing something and then I could do it. And it was so easy. Like all these crazy yoga poses, they were easy for me. Like I'd see some, and I don't want to like, mm, mm, blow my own horn or anything but I would see somebody doing like an arm balance and I could just do it Mm. um and after that everything was really hard because I couldn't even talk to my own leg and every time I was trying to tell it to to do anything actually with my whole entire body nothing would work nothing listened to me eventually like I started to connect some dots like I had a lot of like um tingling in my foot and anytime I needed to go to the bathroom my foot had like a a thunderstorm Mm. of just electricity all the time and then I started to be like oh well maybe the electricity means I need to use the bathroom and then little things started to like come together like that and eventually I started to make connections and those connections um, got a little bit stronger but yeah so then 
You're outside your swimming pool. You're looking at... No, 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 no. So I was inside my house. I had just been taught how to sit up and how to move my myself onto a commode or like a wheelchair. Mm. So that's as far as I got. And basically, I... I learnt to move myself onto a commode or a wheelchair at the time and then I threw myself onto the floor and I had the idea that I didn't want to sit in bed all day and wait Mm. so I was like there's a swimming pool just there I can do this like I can get out there and when no one's here I can like I can be in the swimming pool sounds sensible yeah yeah Yeah. so sensible (laughs) so basically I strapped nappies onto my knees and I put my swimming costume on and I got into my wheelchair, threw myself onto the floor and on my elbows and on like my hands, because I couldn't move my leg, I just had to drag it everywhere. And I basically crawled with great difficulty all the way outside into the swimming pool and threw myself in. Fantastic. I know. And when I got in there, like whenever I went swimming with Joe, I had all of these floaties Mm. because when I actually tried to swim without them, I I drowned. So... I couldn't, I didn't even have the strength to hold myself up in water. So basically when I threw myself in, I drowned and then I like managed to get to the edge and hold on to the edge. And I walked all around the pool, like with my hands, found my floaties, strapped them to me. And then I spent about six hours in that pool because I couldn't get myself out. (laughs) So you just pruned up, huh? Yeah, massively. And after that, I wasn't allowed to do anything on my own. I had a driver, a nurse, like, like my friends were policing me. Um, (laughs) Basically my husband found me at the time and um, yeah, and he was just freaked out. He was walking all around the house going, like, Carrie, where are you? And he came out, and I was, like, in the pool like a little prune. Yeah. And, yeah, and then after that, like, at the time he set up this WhatsApp group with all of my friends, and then they just turned into, like, police patrol. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Everyone would always come and make sure that I mm. wasn't doing anything stupid, which, you know, most of the time I was yeah. doing stupid things. That's like fair enough, yeah. Doing that. Lock you to the bed. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of medication were you on? Talk, um, talk a little bit about your uh, extraterrestrial uh, medication <laughs> and the way that you went about your vitamin C transfusions and then all those mm-hmm. little funky things that you tried. So um, what I had decided when I was in hospital was kind of that I had read Joe Dispenser's book, Evolve Your Brain, and then I read You, you Are the Placebo. And I kind of like I read all the clinical studies about the people who have the injuries that I have. Mm. And just with my pelvic injury and the spinal injury, like 50% of people die the first night. And then if you add the feet and the open fracture and the fact that I had lost so much blood, I had like such a small like chance of being alive. But then also I read the clinical studies about the type of life that I would have. And the morbidity was so high. Like most people have malunion, then they don't. Um, they're not able to walk properly. They walk with canes. They live in pain for the rest of their life. And at the time, I just decided that that wasn't going to be me. And mm. it's not going to be me at all. And I kind of decided to do everything that I can and I could not to be that person and not to allow myself to get there. And I think the important thing is that 
even though we can have physical limitations, it really just comes down to your mind mm. and the limitations that you allow it to have. And yeah, then I started, I basically, I read that um, pain medication uh, reduces the speed in which your bone grows. So I, as soon as I left the hospital, I went cold turkey immediately. I didn't touch any painkillers and I have this rule with myself whenever I go in for surgery and I'm in the hospital I'll let them give me antibiotics and all of that stuff um at one stage they thought they were going to have to amputate my right foot so I was like fine give me all the antibiotics like I'll take them but as soon as I got out then like Mm. completely cold turkey and then I started um doing like herbal compresses to get rid of the pain and then I did vitamin C IVs I did um what's her go back to the herbal thing you just said talk a little bit about that what is <laughs> so my sister would basically put um towels into hot water and then put all of these different herbal like remedies like just plants and stuff and then she would put them on my back and on my hip and anywhere that was really really sore like my feet were the last to get operated so when I and they had been operated a couple of times so by the time I went back in like they were always um really swollen really tender so I never put anything on them but my back and my hip yeah I like had compresses on them all the time on my pubic bone um I don't remember because she made all of them for me uh then I would drink a liter of like vitamin c uh like infusion so they were all like vitamin c powders and they were all like not the synthetic vitamin c all the natural stuff then i would have like all different vitamin powders uh taking them all drinking like liters of them a day um then i was having like juices loads and loads of juices and at the time i was about 44 45 kilos so i was i had no muscle i was just like a little skeleton um so yeah I was just doing everything I could to like nourish my body with loads of vitamins then I would go to the Dubai Herbal Treatment Center and have like they would remove your blood oxygenator reoxygenator and put it back in so I had a lot of that done like every two or three days um yeah I did lots of weird and interesting things again like I told you I couldn't feel well I couldn't move my right leg so I had an acupuncturist who would come every other day and just like yeah, needle yeah basically wow. and then I had those electrode things that would yeah. like send electricity into your thighs like little pads um yeah I did a lot of both of you what's the time course now like when you get to this point this is what like a month afterwards or two no, months no 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 so when I was in hospital I really I just um, kind of rode the the conventional medicine wave mm. it was only after that I just took everything into my own hands so it was about probably up until about six months mm. um, later yeah and then I was on crutches for a good six months until I met you and then I was walking retarded for ages but no one told me to my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, I, when, I, when we met you had uh, like quite an obvious leg length difference mm-hmm. so yeah there was in, in that sense if you walked slow you couldn't see it but it was when you walked fast that you that it was a you know, there was, there was something wrong. We met, and I remember, because we sat down, you went through the whole thing, and you were like, he told me on the phone. 
this is my story and you went through and you're like you're too scared to take me on and I was like no not at all we can do this but I'm just trying to figure out where like where do we start so the best thing is to come in <clears throat> and then when you came in we just did some basic things and you would know you could bend your right knee you were standing up you could bend your right knee up in the air but your foot was tucked in behind your left knee there was no like if you Wait, what said it so, so, it was so she was standing up like holding on for balance she could lift her she could lift her right knee up in the air mm. but her foot would stay hooked underneath her bum on like it's too hard it's quite hard to explain on the on the podcast but she would, she would do that the right knee would come up and the left foot the right foot would hold on to the left shin oh, as it came up in there and there was just no control over that mm. but you were walking fine you just couldn't lift it well, I think I had a really quite a very pronounced Trendelenburg for a really long time. Um, Which is where you don't have control of your foot. What? You hitch over the hip as well. Yeah. Isn't that it? Sort of yeah. Do the waddle. But I think because I had my whole right pelvis reconstructed, then the right pubic bone reattached. And because I had like the L1 replacement, so I have an implant uh, that replaces L1 and it was removed through my rib cage. And basically when they remove it, they like inflate you with all of this air. Then they remove it, like the, remove the shards of bone and implant the spine. So basically anything on my right side, I just, it didn't have any control or, um, or strength. Yeah. or anything really it was kind of my retarded side it still <laughs> is retarded but I love it and so what was the the SNC program from that point no, there's no protocol for that that's literally like okay we need to we need to see what's going on and then like there is no okay after after nine months you should be able to do this and after ten months you should be able to do this it was just alright well we need to fix that so what can you do, what can't you do? Okay, let's break it down. We just stripped it right down. And it was to the point where we were just doing lots of sideline leg work, like open chain clamshells, um, just trying to get it coordinated. I mean, I, I don't even, I can't really remember what we did. We used to just do a lot of stuff on the floor to try and get the leg moving and to try and circulate, circumduct the hip, abduct it, flex it, extend it. Like there was lots of little patterns where she, she would lie on her side and uh, the leg would the leg would come up, not a problem, and then it would get to a certain point, and it was just completely as if you just put press an off switch, and it would just collapse. Mm-hmm. So we just got to, we just got into suspending it from different therabands and different things. But you got a big breakthrough when you you did your you change your shoes. <clears throat> oh yeah, I have special retardos, like retarded shoes that I made for myself. So one of them is like a centimeter. So I have a leg length difference. So this hip is. A centimeter and a half smaller now so it's recreated itself so to speak smaller than the other side so I got all of my shoes and all my sneakers like they have a, a lift in right. them so that changes everything a lot then I can walk like a lot better because when we met as well you, you could feel your hip moving and then it was after a few um, sessions you, you had this sensation that your hip was like, yeah, but you, I think yeah. when I first started to see you, I still had a lot of, I had a huge, like, uh, gap. So my, my pelvis actually wasn't together yet. Yeah, that's, what, it, you, that's what you're saying you felt like, yeah. Yeah, and it was like that for a while. I think it was only up until about a year and a half that it um, came together. But my spine is still not together, and it's still 
a little bundle. Yeah. So where you're at now then, so with the hook, so kind of circle back to where we started. So what's the whole purpose of this now? So when I had initially fallen the and they put my foot back in, mm. the, one of the tendons had kind of gotten adhered to the bone and no one noticed it because I wasn't walking for a really long time. And when I did start walking, so my left foot was clawed as well. Yeah. But when I started walking, the tendons started to release on my left foot and on the right side, they had stayed um, kind of adhered. And about a year ago, uh, the doctors noticed it and they're like, this needs to be operated. But at the time, I was still having so many other surgeries that between every surgery, I needed so much time Mm. to kind of recover that like it ended up being pushed and pushed and pushed. So um, basically, this surgery, they had um, obviously opened my foot and then they released the adhesion. Um, then they lengthened one of the tendons. So they cut the top and the bottom of it and then pulled it. And then they lengthened another tendon. And then in order to keep the toe straight, they uh, basically drill this metal framework into the toes. And it has to stay there for five weeks. Mm. And then they remove it. Right. And how do they remove it? <laughs> so basically you can go under local or they just pull them out right yeah it's kind of stick one foot on your hip and then just drag yeah. it that's yeah. so that's what i've heard but so the surgeon's <laughs> like yeah it's easy and i was easy trying to him. yeah easy for him like, <coughs> yeah back strength there sure every time they say that to me i'm like i don't trust you yeah lying bastards yeah he's a yeah. big 200 pound dude like easy no worries yeah, deadlift. Yeah, you just gonna rip that out of the front of your foot. So after that, then what's next? What's what's coming up? Um, so that will be fourteen. Then I have my spine. So at the moment, I've been given like I have six more months to wait to see if it all comes together. And if it doesn't, they are thinking about cementing it. So what's happening at your spine? Um, so I have no L one, and I have uh, no bone or vertebra or disc sorry both so basically l1 t12 disc and uh, l2 they're all removed and they have a bone graft so it's my bone that's circling and encasing the implant so what they're saying is the anterior portion is um isn't unified so at the moment the rods that i have drilled into my spine are taking the majority of the weight of my upper body rather than than my spine so it's a place of vulnerability so if it doesn't come together then they i think they inject something and then they fill it with cement yeah right yeah old school but it's cement. <laughs> yeah it's new school it's new kind of developing technology so then once you fix your back mm-hmm. I'm going to be superwoman <laughs> back to rock climbing huh yeah well, no. that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting at what's the because you said just before or just after this happened originally you were due to go to was it Kilimanjaro or somewhere in Africa no no so I already climbed Kilimanjaro and I did Machu Picchu but I was going to go um, with golf for good cycling through Uganda and then I was going to go like lots of other things but I basically had this whole summer planned of just activities and doing like crazy things um 
Are you asking me, am I going to do them again? I'm asking you to share with the agreement that you made with me to do this year or next year. <laughs> well, are you going to do this? Yeah, you, you get yourself. <laughs> okay. Are you going to hold him to that? Uh, don't worry, what is it? Though? Go on. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we agreed yeah. that we'll do a go for good challenge and go hiking. I'm going to say Zimbabwe. No, it was Zambia. cycling. Zambia. Cycling. Cycling. Yeah. cycling through Zambia. Zambia, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So raising money for charity and see when is that can you remember yeah I think it's like August or something like that yeah which we're not really on track for if you've got to have another back operation mm-hmm. but the plan like is a little mechanical little wheelchair or something well yeah you can get back up yeah just get a moped and do it all um, <laughs> I think that defeats the purpose <laughs> so how what's your mindset now like are you going to go back doing yoga handstands and get all that stuff is that is that the aim? Um, do you know, I I feel really differently about all of it, but yeah, I'm like I'm definitely not going to rock climb. Mm-hmm. I like I love it, but now when I see people doing it, and a lot of my really good friends rock climb a lot, and I look at the their photos, and it just makes me cringe. Yeah, sure. I don't think anything is um is worth what I've gone through not not that it hasn't been rewarding in its own way like I've learned so much about myself and about other people and about life really but it's just not worth it it's mm. not worth the risk um but am I gonna do everything else yeah like I already have it in my head I'm gonna like handstand and do the splits and get my leg over my head and all of that stuff I think so. I'd imagine that's probably easier with the injuries, no? Nothing attaches to anything. Slip it around. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, do you have any dates for your, for your next surgery, or like what's in the short term? No, I just have to like see. So this gets removed on the twenty eighth on Tuesday, and everything else is just like a waiting game. So I just have to go get scanned and see how my spine is going. Spine is an excellent. So what are you going to do when it's all done? What are you going to talk about? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I yeah, that's what, you're writing, you're, you're planning some stuff, aren't you? I am writing You're thinking a book. about it anyway, under no. peer pressure from, I've written from it. those around you. I've written a lot of it, actually. It's just, do you know the one thing that I have with this book is that I feel like I'm just complaining and I really, like, it, I'm just writing it from a diary that I had written at the time, but it's so morbid and... Yeah, but people would like that, because, you know, because it makes people... <laughs> you would bad. like that. Yeah, I'll sit there when I'm hungover, depressed, just crying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, but we, uh, this is what, this is what I said to you at the very beginning. Like, people listen to your story, and this is why I wanted to have you on, was because people listen to your story and there's going to be one or two people who right now have had no trauma but you never know what's going to happen a car crash on, on the motorway or a fall from whatever and suddenly now they're in this place they need to hear stories with, from people like you you know that you can do it and not everyone's going to be the same because complex trauma is, is complex but it's the mindset it's the like you said is this your life forever no is the answer um well, I think no is the answer if you decide it to be no. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you have to you have to make that decision, and you have to really, really want it. Like, the stakes have to be high enough. Like, 
I had two options. I was going to do what everybody else said and I was never going to walk again and that was going to be my life or I was going to get my fucking ass off mm. that wheelchair and do everything in my power to to like get my life back. Yeah. And oh my God, is it hard. Like it's so hard and the challenges that you face, particularly back Like, like just yeah, just do this, or just go to the doctor, or like, it, it's it's difficult, and you have to have a certain kind of um, idea in your mind. You need to plant that seed, and then you need to water it every single day. Like, no, I'm doing the right thing for me. I can, I know that this is right, and it's hard. It's really, really hard. But I think if you surround yourself with good people and all the people around you are on that same like wavelength, like basically they're just lying to you. Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to walk. Um, then you can kind of feed off that. And yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's it. That's what they need. And people who, who don't have that, they need to have get that from books or from podcasts or from, uh, you know, just learning about somebody like you, and that there is a possibility that they can come through. But they, you know, they they need to keep hope. That's the first thing, and then they need to know where to go, what their route is. Um, you know, what stuff they can read. Because you know, you read Anti Fragile, and I had a good the effects on you, and that was Matt mm-hmm. that referred that to me. I'm anti fragile. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain Anti Fragile? It was a book written by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. So he's written a few, like Full by Randomness, The Black Swan, and all that. But it was just. Basically, the anti-fragile concept is that you become stronger from having gone through tough times, you know, or whatever else. Even in our game, it's very much the case when you you have to stress a muscle to build it. You know, it has to receive some sort of damage in order to get stronger, and that carries through emotionally, psychologically. Yeah, his concept is like like what is the what's the opposite to fragile? And people yeah. think it's robust. Mm. But it's not because robust just means something doesn't break down if it's put under pressure. Yeah. But somebody who's been through the pressure and has come out stronger is what? And that's kind of the premise of his whole book. But what's yeah. the, for the example is the taxi driver. And we'll finish on this, but what's, tell the taxi driver story. You know, with the two brothers, his example in the book, can you remember? A yeah, taxi driver. So, no, I, the, well, uh, no, the go two on. twin brothers in the book. No, I've completely forgotten. So there's two, uh, as far as I can remember, because you, you told me, and this is what made me want to read the book, but it sums it up quite nicely, that there's two twin brothers um, growing up in London, and one becomes a, a, a well-educated, qualified top banker. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get you. And yeah, the other guy becomes the, the taxi driver. Yeah. So the taxi driver now has had to kind of work, fend for himself, go out on the street, adapt, you know, know what works, what doesn't work, mm. um, push himself through tough times, deal with peaks and troughs whereas the bankers just got a nice job happy life kind of consistent reliable salary the whole lot if the two of them suddenly both lose their jobs the question is who's going to who's going to be more robust or who's going to be more anti-fragile to, to, to be able to deliver you know and, and progress more or deal with the trauma and the bit the banker who on paper looks like he's got all the credentials to be a super successful person once that's pulled out from under him what has he got He's never had to fend for himself. He's never had to really understand business or like trying to go out for the hunt for his revenue. But the taxi driver is well able to do it. 
Mm. Um, yeah, because he can he could spend the time figuring out where he can move his business to. If he knows that another town down the road is going to be busier for him, he can instantly make that change based on his uh, experience with adversity in his current situation. Yeah, but it's just the whole idea of the illusion of security. Somebody thinks that they have a, a job nine to five, and they think they're nice and safe. They think that somebody who's self-employed doesn't have security whereas you know it, it's you have that opportunity to kind of move around and be sort of flexible whereas the guy in the job as you say the second he gets fired he gets fired um, and certainly with things like trauma and stuff experiencing the fragility of life kind of enhances your appreciation for it and all of those sorts of things as well so uh, yeah friends everything so silly things that yeah. you will cry over hung over watching oh movies. yeah for sure she'll be looking at us going what do you do <laughs> wait I'll tell you about yeah we're there just a couple of pussies suffering. yeah <laughs> But I'm sad. I was about being sad. I've been having no painkillers for six months. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Alan. Thanks for coming in. Um, there's a lot more we'd like to speak to you about with your yoga life and your. We'll do part two in a, another couple of. We'll months. definitely part two when when you get your back sorted out. And we'll bring this kit in and we'll talk to you in the hospital when you're high on the drugs and we'll see what you can say yeah, then. Sure. Get some proper existential philosophical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if people want to connect with you or email you or get you on Instagram or anywhere in particular um, no just me Caroline Caroline in the world, <laughs> so, uh, we'll just go for the, the Caroline what is it what's your Instagram or one of those um, Caroline underscore D underscore Leon perfect okay that's enough guys give Caroline a shout if you would like to hear more and uh, we'll have her on again when uh, the back operation goes down. Okay, cool. Thanks, Caroline. Bye. Bye.